Amen. Praise the Lord. How's everybody this morning? Mom and Dad Heron, I was talking to Mom back there, and let them hear you preach this morning. Oh, you've been preaching at them all weekend. Ah, I see. I am glad to have my wife, Pam. She is the better part of me. In fact, I look a whole lot better when she's here. Amen. So uh, maybe when we pray for, if we do pray for folks or whatever, I'll have her come up and have some of our friends, Larry and Clara Parker, are here today. Thank you, Larry and Clara. Uh, Apostle Ed, good to see you, man. Praise God for the work you've been doing around Tomball for, for many, many years. And we're thankful for all of you. How many have been praying for some things to to really break free and break loose, not just here in Tomball, but all across the greater Houston region? How many, how many are really praying for that? Amen. Well, a few of you are, so God bless you. But no, we're, we're really believing that as local assemblies come together um, and pastors begin to pray, and then, uh, you know, if you can get pastors praying, that's a miracle, you know, but it's even a greater miracle if you can get apostles and prophets praying, you know. <laughs> but, but we should be leaders in prayer. How many of you know that? We should be leaders in prayer, what we commonly call the five-fold ministry um, is just, of course, a, an a addendum to Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some, Christ gave some, somebody say some, some to be prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers so that the saints might be equipped. Now, how many of you know we're all saints? So even when those five ministry gifts are uh, equipping and speaking into the body, we're being equipped the same way, amen? We're being equipped when we come together and share together and pray together and talk together. And uh, Brother Les has been just a, a, a dear friend and a great sounding board <laughs> uh, for me, and I think I, hopefully I am for him. But definitely we have built a good, solid relationship on that, uh, on that aspect of, of a relational type of ministry. How many are tired of professional type of ministry? Just the kind that just goes, you know, you, you got it pre-planned and pre-programmed and you, you know, it, it, it's, it's done like this all the time. Well, we need that spontaneity and that's what I love about the body of Christ. And, and as my wife and I function and in, in how we function, we get to see, and, and apostles and prophets especially, uh, by nature, by their calling, are translocal, are they coming in and out of the churches, or the churches, or the local assemblies, or they're, they're helping to establish what we are calling now the Greek word for what we get the word to, to see what's happening, what's going on uh, across the body of Christ. And uh, thank God for that. And thank God for the journey assembly here. How many are glad you're a part of the journey? Those of you that belong, you know, and how many are glad you're on the journey? Amen. And I highly recommend it, amen, because uh, your pastor is really seeking after God and staying um, really before the Lord. In fact, I've been going through a bunch of uh, old paperwork for a couple of weeks, and I found something interesting I want to read to you. Um, I don't know when I wrote this down years ago or where I got it. I promise you it wasn't, um, it wasn't uh, uh, my thing. I <laughs> I can tell you that for sure. But I remember reading something about what's called cross-current churches. And how many are glad we sung about the cross today? You know, 
And you don't hear too many people talking about the blood anymore, right? You don't hear a lot of singing about the cross anymore. But they were called, it was called cross-current churches, which I believe the emphasis was on the little, the little uh, uh, acronym or the little thing that about made it cross was that it's, it was about the cross of Christ. And then that's what's current, should be current, should be flowing. And that should be in every assembly uh, that gathers together for the Lord Jesus Christ. But biblically literate. How many of you know that we need to be really, we need to, we, although we, we don't press doctrine when we get to meet people or when we're fellowshipping. How many know when it boils down to it, we need to come back to the scriptures and compare scripture with what, what Father is saying. Amen. And so when we do that, we become biblically literate, are taught and trained. Amen. And I know that you're being taught and trained here. Number two, it was culturally relevant. Culturally relevant. Now, this means a lot more than it did. I don't know. I think I have January the 9th. How long has that been? That's been going on 10 years that I wrote this down. How many of you know that we should be actually the cultural aspect of the church is really the kingdom of God? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, the kingdom and how it reflects and works in the church. Because if we're going to be culturally relevant, then we don't need just a counterculture. You know, we don't just need another culture of trying to to be something to compete with. We need to establish the culture of the kingdom so it becomes the counterculture. It becomes the reflection of what God is saying and doing. And when you're kingdom-minded, how many of you know that's when you can accept your brothers and sisters across the land? You can see, you can view them. You, you, I've got to really spy, uh, spy them out for a while. I've got to look and see what they're doing. You know, after a while, we just need to accept one another. Amen. And then if there is error or there's something, that it's always going to come up. It's always going to come out. And so you can always deal with it in a redemptive way. And then what I love about here in the worship, Stevie, is spiritually sensitive. How many glad you're in a house that's spiritually sensitive? Well, so, so these are three main aspects of, of across current churches are those that are moving in the current flow. And they still magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I glory in the cross. I glory in the cross. Of Christ, because he knew that that there was no other. He he said in First Corinthians two, I'm determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. So thank God He was crucified for us. Now He's raised up. Praise God. He's 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 sent us the Holy Spirit, and now we walk in that same authority and power that He walked in. Amen. And that's kind of what I wanna I wanna share a little bit about this morning. If you have your Bible. Turn to Matthew 10 before we go over to 16. Just going to skip around a little bit here in Matthew. I know you've been going through the, the parables. Uh, Brother Les has been teaching, I'm sure, out of Matthew a lot of, on the parables of the kingdom, for those parables. Um, but I know that today that as we, Jesus said, I think it was in, in um, uh, Matthew 13, in fact, at the first part, he said, I speak to them in parables or mysteries, kind of. But he said, I'm not going to speak to you that way. I'm going to reveal to you the kingdom. I'm not just going to tell you stories and try, you try to figure it out. I'm going, to, I'm going to explain the mysteries of the kingdom to you. And how many of you know that's what we need today? We need a revelation 
of the kingdom of God. You know, parables are the kingdom of God are like, or the kingdom of God is like, or it is, it is like this or like that. So we, we need to get, once we get the principles of it, then we need to begin to come into the revelation of how that applies to our lives. How many have been learning something about the kingdom? As pastor has been teaching that the last few weeks, you've been learning something about it. And it's okay to give a good nod or, you know, or a little amen every now and then. Let me know you're out there. You're alive. Amen. <laughs> amen. Matthew 10 and 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kind of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now skip down to verse 7. And as you go, preach saying at hand. Or he said, it's drawn near. Or it is right here in your grasp, he was saying to them. Because he was the embodiment of the kingdom of God. How many of you know that? Amen. And so he says, heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received Freely give. How I many know this is even before the power of the Holy Spirit had come upon them? This was just the beginning of their training. This was just the beginning of time being with Jesus. And he said, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So how could that happen? How could as they go, there would be healings? There would be people raised from the dead. They would cast out demons. Why, why would that happen? Because they were going not in their own name, not in their own authority, but they were going under and in the authority of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. When you preach the kingdom of God, you are suddenly now preaching not your own message, not your own kingdom. Somebody said, well, how, how many messages do you have? One is called the kingdom of God. Amen. Because that's what Jesus came preaching. Now, yes, there are thousands of versions and many things that can come out of preaching the kingdom of God. But because it's an all-encompassing thing, brother, it's it's something that that covers from the beginning to the end and from the end back to the beginning. In fact, I call it the big picture. How many like to see the big picture of things? Sometimes we get down and we get into details or we get too analytical. We try to figure stuff out. We try to find out how's this happening and what's going on here. And, and, and I wonder what makes this work. Well, a lot of times we just need to get out. I think pastor instructed us today, let's get out of our intellectual thinking. Let's get out of that mindset and let's allow the Holy Spirit to then blow up in us, to really make alive in us and give us that big picture of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is not just something that's coming. The kingdom of God is here and now. Why? Because Jesus made an inauguration of the kingdom of God when, uh, in his death, burial, and resurrection. When he was raised up, then he sent forth then these same disciples who were going to be later called apostles. And so if we understand that, how many of you know we've got a lot of apostles running around who have never become disciples? And let me say this, please. Not everyone who calls himself an apostle is an apostle. So just remember that. And don't matter how, many, how nice their business card is. Okay? Not everyone who calls himself an apostle is an apostle. So there has to be a process. Years of marriage a week from tomorrow, September the 3rd, Labor Day. And we've been in labor ever since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
we, we, we try to enter into the rest, but yeah, Labor Day keeps coming around. And, and, and then this, we've been in ministry 40 years uh, concerning the kingdom of God all my life. Basically, all I know, I was raised up in, in classical Pentecostalism and, and, and got delivered. I mean, got, got continued to grow in the Lord. I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm thankful for my roots. And you might have to cut this out. I don't know. We're, we're live, aren't we? Um, but we are, we are growing. How I many you know you're not supposed to stop growing? You don't stop in the outer court where you come through and come by the blood and the water and then come into the holy place where you come into the spirit baptism. And then we got to keep traveling, though. We got to stay on the journey. <laughs> I mean, you're going to stay on the journey. We got to keep coming into that place to where he is being revealed more and more. He is showing us more and more, not because we are some elite people or we have a deep revelation. Because some people are so deep, even God hasn't heard that revelation. <laughs> you know? So, so it's not about that. It's about being able to walk out practically and experientially. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So do these things. Heal the sick and so forth. Now look over to where I was going to start at, but I backed up a little bit. Matthew 16, the very classic text, and I'm sure you're very aware of this one. Matthew sixteen thirteen through 19. We'll just read it. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? I mean, you know, that's the very important thing. Who, do, who are we saying he is? What do we say about him? And, of course, Simon Peter, he, he was the first one always to jump up, but he had the real revelation this time, didn't he? He said, you are the Christ, you're the anointed one, the son of the living God. Hallelujah. You see, in Caesarea Philippi, that was one of the places Jesus took them, and it was strange for him to bring this text here because it was known to have all kind of gods there, what was called the pan god. And, and there was all kind of uh, perversion and all kind of corruption and all kind of treachery there. And there was, there, was even, there was a place even called there, believe it or not, listen to this, the gates of hell. Because in that place was called was a region of, of death. It was just a place where that are called Panamic or the Pan God. And so he brought them to that place to show them this and to talk to them about this. When when Peter said, You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God, he was meaning he was distinguishing between their gods or the gods of that city that where they were, that Christ was the son of the living God. And then verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, son of Jonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And then these two very powerful scriptures. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build, somebody say, my church, or literally, my ecclesia. I've started, I've, I, it's almost so natural now that I say ecclesia in the place of the word church there. means the same thing in a similar, in a, in a way, but yet there's some distinctions that I don't have time to get into today. But how many of you know, God's going to keep showing us, revealing more and more how that we can become uh, the powerful ecclesia or church of the Lord Jesus Christ on the earth. Amen. 
And he said, And the gates of hell, or Hades, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Or whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Or what will be loose is loose. Whatever, will, whatever has already been bound will be bound. How many of you know it has to already be loose from heaven when we loose it? It has to already be bound. In other words, it's whatever we allow or don't allow, whatever we permit. Well, the Lord has given us that authority to be able to walk in a grace now today that these keys of the kingdom, not keys to the kingdom, notice, but keys of the kingdom, meaning they are fit into a certain way that they open up our understanding that when you, when you have the right key, and keys denote authority, right? They denote something that has the ability to unlock or lock, to loose or to, and to bind and to loose or close and open. So how many thank God we have keys of the kingdom? And he's revealing more and more of what those keys are as we go forth in the gospel of the kingdom in this day. And then Matthew 28, the last part of Matthew 28. Then we're going to just talk about some things of how this relates together concerning the kingdom, the apostolic, and the ecclesia. The the apostolic uh, church of Jesus Christ is not a denomination. How many know we have those that call themselves that? And it's basically a denomination. But you see, what happens is men have put their claim on what we call church, but man cannot put their claim. I will build my church. Look look at your neighbor and say right now, Jesus is building his church. Yeah. He's not building our church, (laughs) y'all. He's not here. He's not here just to build. Now he's given. He's given some gifts. He's given some ministries to help equip and and for us to build up one another and to perfect and and complete us as saints of God. But he is building. He's establishing his house. Why? Because his house is large enough and big enough to contain every one of us. And that's why he said in Matthew twenty-eight. The powerful passage here. But I'm just reminding you of a few simple things. You know this. 18, Jesus said, all authority, not power. It's not dunamis there. It's exousia. Exousia. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. There's that word disciple. I mean, no, a disciple is more than just someone that, that is a, a Christian. Amen. A disciple is one that follows Christ that learns of Christ, that becomes like Him. Amen? And says, so, so therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Notice that not just of all people or not just of all um, an individual person, but of all nations, because that then will include everyone. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all. So we see that as we are getting a hold of the authority and the power of the kingdom, that means that now God is energizing and he is, he is affecting the church or the body of Christ in a powerful way today because we think that it is, it, we really think the church is what then produces or brings forth the kingdom. But it's the kingdom that actually begins to work and produce and be powerful in and help advance the kingdom of God. That's why we are born into what? We're not born into the church. We're born into the kingdom. Amen. When you're born into the kingdom, then that means you become a kingdom citizen. 
Amen. How many glad you're a part of the kingdom today? Amen. I'm glad to be a part of the kingdom. And so to do that, then we must receive all of the ministry gifts. I say must receive. We don't have to do anything. You can, you can receive or not receive. But when we do open up and receive, then that means that we get the benefit of. How many of you know if you don't know how to identify um, yourself or, say, someone in uh, not just as a, say, preacher? You remember the old, remember the old days of, of say, not just, didn't say where you go to church, say, who's your preacher? You remember that? We've come a little bit past that today because now we're, we're believing that as we build relationships, then we get to know one another. Amen. But we're coming into a place today that, that we're needing to be identified and the body of Christ needs to be identified in who we are in not only in Christ but in His kingdom. And so as we began to go forth, then that's why that God gave us those five ministry gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Why? So that they could bring us in, number one, to become disciples. How many of you know discipleship is important? Discipleship is where that we learn and develop not only what we do, our gifts, but we develop our character. We develop uh, our walk with God. We, it is more important to have an integral walk with God than just to show off some gift. Amen? It's more important to have integrity and to be authentic than just try to put on something to try to show what we have or what we can do. So that's what discipleship does for us. It puts us into that place that, that we now know that we're under the authority of Jesus Christ and therefore then accountable then to our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Amen. So as we continue to learn and grow, then I thought about the DE. Uh, the DE, I, and, and so I'll just slip it in here. This is just your, your part you can take and think about when you wake up at 2 and this, uh, tomorrow morning. You can't go to sleep at midnight. Uh, discipleship. Somebody say discipleship. Eldership. There's the E. And A, apostleship. There's the real DEA. How many know there's another DEA besides the one our government has? Amen. This is the government of the kingdom of God, I think. Discipleship, eldership, and apostleship. These are things that God is working in and through the body of Christ. Now, the key is, is that what we call local churches or local assemblies, as we begin to connect together across the body of Christ, just like in here today, we have people from, from different places. We have people who make up the kingdom of God around the city, around the area. We come into this house, but we come in really rep, rep, representing the head of, of the kingdom, the head of the body, Jesus Christ. And as we come in doing that, then that means we're going to be able to then have a kindred spirit, someone that can acknowledge he is Lord, then no one can say he's Lord but by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it takes the Spirit of God to draw you in to say and know that He is Lord. And how many are thankful today you know Him as Lord? Of Acts, and this is just a, a, a basic uh, introduction, really, of, of, again, some things concerning the kingdom of God as you've been learning and growing about kingdom principles. Um, we come to that time when you get past 
where Jesus has been ascended now. He's, at his, he's had his death, burial, burial, and resurrection. And when he gathers his disciples who become apostles together, in Acts chapter 1, in verse 1, it says he, he, he gets them together and he talks about nothing but the kingdom of God. There it is again. Isn't that interesting? He talks about nothing because, you see, the kingdom of God is simply the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ in our lives. That's the bottom line. He wants, to, he wants to rule right here. We think about it ruling over nations or ruling over countries, and certainly not about ruling over people. It's about Him ruling and reigning first and foremost in our hearts and lives. Is that where you're allowing Him to reign today? I want Him to reign right here in me so that, so that I can reflect His kingdom. I can show forth and be involved in the kingdom of God. So then, then the Holy Spirit was poured out with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that was the great event that happened. But then look at the end of the chapter. Look at the end of the chapter is when Peter has preached and he's finishing up his message. It's when they had come, when Peter preached that day. He said, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the forgiveness of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, that promise is for everyone. And with many other words, he exhorted and testified, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation, this, this untoward generation. And then verse 42 is a, is a cornerstone, you might say, to where we're going today. He said, and they continue steadfastly. One translation says they devoted themselves to what? In the apostles' teaching and to fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Amen. And how many know this should be an important aspect of the church that's developing, the ecclesia that's becoming alive today? We are walking in not just our teaching, our authority, but we're walking in the authority of the apostles' doctrine or teaching and to fellowship. Not just and fellowship, but to fellowship, meaning that we share together. We, we break bread together. We have communion together. We partake together. We share in each other's life. That's a part of the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Nothing better than to get together and celebrate around food. And Brother Ed, coffee. Uh, we, 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 can, we can put IHOP out of business fast we, because we know how to drink. We can drink that coffee now. But, but there's nothing like fellowshipping with the brethren and coming together and having a meal, which that's what the early church did when they broke bread. Now, listen, they, didn't just, they just didn't do something when they gathered together. They, they would come together and went in daily from house to house. Amen. And eating together and drinking, you know, drinking, eating and drinking and being able to, uh, coffee that is, and be able to enjoy the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why of what we're coming into today, that apostles help navigate us. Apostles simply are not some, they're, they're not elite from the rest of the hand or the rest of the fivefold ministry. But apostles are able to touch and agree with all these other gift ministries and be able to serve, serve and undergird and are part of the foundation of Jesus Christ. How many know if once the foundation is laid, you don't you don't see it. You don't see it anymore. (laughs) You know, so a lot of people are wanting to be seen. But when we come into a fully restored apostolic and prophetic ministry today of what God is doing, we're not going to, you're not going to see anybody just by, by their, 
you're going to know them, of course. You're going to see them. We're not going to take away our personality. It's not going to take away um, uh, how you how performance of the speaker. It's not going to be on. In fact, he wants us to get past just that performance mindset. He wants us to get into to where we really are equipping and we're helping to establish and we're helping to see saints then come into a greater understanding of who they are so that they can build up the body of Christ. That's what Ephesians, that's what Ephesians 4.12 really means is for the saints to build up. The body of Christ. So, how many of you watching uh, out there daily? You're you're building up. You're built. You're encouraging. You're edifying. You're you're exhorting those around you. That's building up the body of Christ. That's helping the body of Christ come into maturity, to come into unity, to come into a place that we can recognize and receive one another in the Lord in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, there are some other things I brought I want to share with you. I want to, as we get ready here in a few minutes when we pray, we're going to, I want you to remember some of these things today of what is part of the apostolic process. How many know there's a process that we're going through? There's a transition. Another word for process is transition. How many feel like you've been in transition a long time? You feel like you've been going through something. Well, we're coming to that time that God is establishing now what he's doing even in our fresh time. We're calling it a new era that's going out across the body of Christ today, corporately. It's a new dimension and a new time, uh, uh, almost like a new beginning that God is saying, okay, I brought you this far. Now I want you to step on across. I want you to come on into the full provision that I have for you because I think that's what's been lacking in the inheritance part. We haven't come to the maturity yet to where Father can release the inheritance. How many know you don't give inheritance to children? You don't give inheritance to babies. You give inheritance to full-grown sons of God. And when we are fully grown, then God begins to say, Oh, I can trust them. I can trust them in this. I can, I can give them this because they will not squander that. They won't use it uh, uh, unlawfully. They will use it the way that I ask them to use it. So... Uh, today we're seeing that as we advance in the kingdom and the church helps the, the we're, we're really we're really advancing the kingdom when we become the true ecclesia or church of Jesus Christ. We become a part of what he is saying, what he is doing. Now here's things here's some things that are part of the apostolic process. These are phases. Number one, identifying gifts and callings. Identify that. Number three is empowering. Or to be empowered means that we are we are able to delegate authority where people can can work on behalf or they can go forth on behalf of Jesus Christ. It is about authorizing. How many know that when apostles are sent out, when apostles are commissioned, they are sent by the authority of the sender. Meaning, now now it's the Holy Spirit sending forth today in the body of Christ apostles from Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's authorizing us to go into territories now and do these very things. And then there's a sending principle. 
There's a sending principle. When the body of Christ becomes mature or when ministries are developed and grow, then they can begin to be sent out. I mean, that becomes a part of the uh, apostleship, what we were talking about a while ago. Um, apostles wasn't a Christian it wasn't a title that was just invented at Pentecost. There were apostles before them. You know how? There was a Greek uh, seafaring term that when they would go in, ad- admirals would have a fleet of ships, and when they would start going into a new territory, they would call them apostles because they were going in to establish to establish now in our language, in our, in our view as pastors and teachers, are those five agents that began to go forth and establishing the authority of what Jesus Christ has sent them for. So as we come into this equipping process, then we're going to need to understand that 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 takes time. That's a growing process. That's something that God calls us in through discipleship. Then he brings us into as a maturity. He brings us into maturity, and then he begins to cause us to grow in Christ, to come to that stature that, hey, now I don't have to worry about brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. I know that they're authorized to go out. They've been called to be sent, just like there are sent apostles. How many know today we have people that are becoming an apostolic people? They're being sent out into the marketplace and into the world. And that's what we need today. We don't need to just keep it closed up in here. We don't need just to talk about what we're doing in here. We need to be able to go forth, go out with the authority of Jesus Christ and be able to see Him then work in our daily lives, not just on Sunday, not just when you gather for another time, but every day of the week He's working in our lives. Amen? He's causing us to come to a place that, that we can be complete in Him. The purpose for complete relationship in Jesus Christ. And again, that's, that's the apostolic ministry that flows even with the other gift ministries. It begins to bring an identification into what God is doing. And here's how we see, and this is what we're going to pray today, that continues to happen here in this house. There's activations. How many believe that you can be energized and activated by the Holy Spirit? You can be energized, activated in your gift and who you are and what you're to do. Activate means to arouse to action or to put in motion. Someone, I've been talking to a man, he said, man, it's time for movement. We need to get into motion. We need to, we need to move with the Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't just need another movement that's called a, like the charismatic movement or the Pentecostal movement. We need, though, an understanding that God is restoring all these things back to the body of Christ. So that's going to take a training. That's going to take training. Apostle Ed, you're establishing a kingdom center here in the area. It's what it's going to be a part of to train. That's the process or art of imparting knowledge and skill. It's the repetition of an action so as to develop or maintain one's skill. So when you're trained in something, that means then you're, you have not only a skill, but you also have the... Amen. Number three, to impart. This is a, script, a, ver, a, a word we like a lot, to impart. Impart means to make known, to communicate, to transmit. Something is imparted. When there's a, Paul said in, in 
when he was writing to the Roman church and he had not even been to Rome. He said, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That's Romans 1.11. He said, I long to see I may impart unto you. Then we are what we've been talking about today. We are to disciple people. We are to see deliverance. Amen. Deliverance is a part of the kingdom. I mean, you know, the deliverance should automatically be a part of the kingdom of God. Why? Because, hey, people have to be set free. They have to, be, they have to come out of the powers of darkness. They have to be able to know that, not, oh, I don't just, uh, just come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes, but then there are things that have to be broken in their lives. Amen. He, the deliverance breaks the rule of darkness and brings the rule of God. <laughs> Amen. Deliverance breaks the rule of darkness. See, people are just operating under the domain of darkness, as Colossians 1, uh, 13 says. But we've been delivered from the power or the domain of darkness and already translated. Or when we come into that light, it brings the very rule of God into our life. That's what the kingdom is all about. The kingdom is about setting us free. The kingdom is about getting us to a place that we're no longer in bondage to those old elements of the world, those old elementary principles, those old things of what we saw growing up or what we've come through, or even religious stuff. How many of you know mostly we need to be delivered from religious stuff? Amen. Miles Monroe was gay. I saw a clip of him. He's been gone a few years but I saw a clip on him. He said, I looked up the word pagan. And most of us think pagan means heathen. But he said, it, you know what it literally means? Religious devout. <laughs> Religious devout. So that means a pagan is one who just has his, who has his thinking in a certain way, who has a, who has a pattern of thought, and, it sh- and it's supposed to be right, but if it doesn't have the Holy Spirit in it, it's going to become something that God can't use. And then, oh, the aspect of what we live for. And how many of you know the word I'm fixing to give is not just what we do when, when Stevie and the team leads us in worship up here, but worship is a way of life. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not just presenting our bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto the Lord. It's giving ourselves to the Lord every day. It's, it's coming into Him and saying, Father, what do you want from me today? We lay our lives down. We lay our lives down so that, so that we can see and come into that complete and perfect and mature will of God in our life. So we see that, that what we're going to be seeing in the next few months and probably the next even coming years as we come more into apostolic function in the kingdom of God. And then we see local assemblies that are more than just pastoral. They're more than just caring for sheep. But they're beginning now to to do these things, activate, train, impart, disciple, have deliverance, and then bring people into a place that all we do is want to abandon ourselves. Wouldn't it be great when we come together if we laid everything at the door, if we laid everything down and we would abandon ourselves unto God and worship? Wouldn't that be great? That's what we should do when we come together. It's kind of like how we entered in today. We left everything behind. In fact, Steve, if you don't mind coming up, I just feel to have a little music right in here when we get ready to pray in a few minutes. But when we come together, 
then worship. You know what worship does? It releases prophetic songs, apostolic decrees. It brings us into saying you're able to rule or rest right in the midst of your enemies. I mean, right when you're going through. How many are going? In fact, you don't have to ask that today. How many of you know we're going through things? Everyone is going through a process. Everyone is going through something today. Everything that you're facing, it may be with your children, it may be with a, uh, it may be financial, it may be a physical thing, but every one of us are experiencing some kind of thing today that, that we're having to press through. And when we press through and we begin to enter in to worship and we press into what God says, then He begins to set all those things in order. He just begins to to set us in place. He knows where to set you in his house. He knows how to turn a city into a, a, an ecclesia, a church, into a corporate gathering. He knows how to, to bring forth every good gift and every powerful thing that we need. He knows how to bring it into place. Why? Because it's just like when God brings us into his presence, he opens us up another dimension. I just keep it being drawn. I keep seeing this couple right here. I don't know if y'all are part of it. My brother right here, God bless you. But, but as you three were sitting there, I just began to see God just unveiling. He's unveiling. He's making himself known to you to where, hey, the mystery is going away. Oh, I don't know. I used to not understand why we had to come in and do this or do that or why we. But God is saying he's opening the eyes of your understanding. He's allowing you now to see what you could not see. He's, he's bringing you into a dimension that, that before it was a struggle, but now it's like, okay, God, I surrender. I, anybody ever just gave up of trying to fix something? I'm not talking about giving up in the sense of quitting. I mean, you just give up, though, because your way is not working anymore, right? I mean, I, sometimes you just got to get tired of being tired, right? And y'all just kept pressing through. And then, brother, I don't know, I just know that God has got his hand on you. And he says, I'm putting a light, I'm lighting you as one who is lit with the fire of God. And wherever you go now, not, even your countenance will be changed. Even your, your, the atmosphere around you will change when you show up. I mean, no, we're coming to a day you don't have to go in and tell people what you believe. Just go in and be who you are. Go in and act like you are a kingdom citizen. Just be now. Just be in that. And so we're going to pray. Man, Pastor Les, come if you will.